The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Discover a new relationship and approach to life through the space between. Join spiritual teacher Brittany Mondito for a moment of silence, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York. Everything we're searching for lies behind what we're running from, Brittany says. Reconnect with your inner sense of safety, grounding, and centeredness. Learn more today at eomega.org thrive. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. From Spirituality and Health Magazine, I'm Rabbi Rami, and this is Essential Conversations. Our guest today, Jennifer Noel Taylor, is an energy healing practitioner, self-help motivator, and the CEO of Quantum Touch Incorporated. She's the author of Love Incorporated, The Business of Doing What You Love, and her new book, Spiritual and Broke, How to Stop Struggling with Money and Live Your Purpose. That's the book we're going to talk about, Jennifer, because that's the information I need. So Jennifer Noel-Taylor, welcome to Essential Conversations. Great. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, it's an important topic. Uh, Mm -hmm. Everyone wrestles with money. Uh, so, So let me just read to you from the very beginning of the book, just a sentence, and and have you uh, unpack it a little bit for us. So you wrote, have you ever had a moment in your life that was so shocking, so horrible, and yet appeared so absurdly random that you were compelled to wonder, how the heck did I end here? So how the heck did you end up there? Tell us where there is and what what was going on with you at the time. So that quote actually is in reference to the fact that I ended up in the back of a police car, not where you want to be, trust me. And uh, the reason why I ended up there is, is it's actually kind of a dark story. Um, What happened is somebody broke into my house in the middle of the night and it turned into a robbery and a sexual assault. And uh, as Part of the crime scene investigation, law enforcement had to take me to the rape trauma center. And so that's how I ended up in the back of a police car. And I start my story here because it was a really intense aha moment that happened as a result of being in the back of a police car. And uh, so anyways, that's where I start. So... You, you ended up where you ended up through no fault of your own. That's what you meant, I guess, by random. And yet you took it sort of as a wake-up call for transformation. I did. You know, and, and one of the things that happened is I was sitting there in the back of a police car, and I was in a state of shock because having someone break into your house in the middle of the night is it was a huge trauma. And not really paying attention, but... I'm sure you're familiar with the still small voice of the heart. And that still small voice said, okay, Jennifer, 
pay attention here. And so I did. And as I paid attention, one of the officers over his radio said, we're now transporting the victim to the rape trauma center. And that word victim made me take pause because I actually wanted to scream out at that moment, how dare you call me a victim? I'm a spiritual healer. I'm an entrepreneur. I teach the law of attraction. I teach empowerment. How dare you refer to me as a victim? That's so not me. This is completely wrong. And I was, I had this silent rage in the back of a police car by being labeled as a victim. And then I had my aha moment. And this is what happened. I realized that I spent the majority of my time thinking like a victim. I felt like a victim to my money. I felt like a victim to the IRS. I felt like the victim to all the men that I dated who were unavailable. I felt like a martyr for my cause because I was teaching energy medicine and I had no money. So I felt like I had martyred myself, sacrificed myself for the greater good. All of this was, was victim thinking. And then I said, wow, I'm teaching empowerment, yet I'm being a victim. I'm, I'm a huge hypocrite right now. And so that moment, just I woke up and said, that's it. I'm, I'm done with victim consciousness. I'm done playing the victim. And that was a turning point in my life on multiple levels, especially with my money. Do you think, I mean, I'm not in any way an expert on the law of attraction or that whole philosophy, but what little of it I do know, do you think that your victim consciousness attracted what happened to you? I actually think it went, it went deeper than that. And I do believe now, although it was hard to accept at the time, that I did attract that experience into my life. And I believe that it wasn't just the victim consciousness, but it was also, I had a lot of rage and anger and unforgiveness stored in my heart. And as I explored the repercussions of that whole event, I unpacked all that rage and anger stored in my heart and realized with the help of, you know, my guides and, and other healers that that level of anger actually attracted in what I perceive as a negative experience. And that was my second wake up call was processing the result of that sexual assault, processing the result of being in the back of a police car and realizing that, yes, we can attract really negative stuff in our lives if we're holding on to rage and anger and unforgiveness. So I know sometimes when I've talked with other people about this, the pushback against the law of attraction, and, and I, I'll, I'll share this position as well, it sometimes sounds like you're blaming the victim, that this happened to you because you were storing up all this anger. It's almost like saying, well, it was my fault because I was putting all this anger out there and I attracted all this anger back. How do you deal with that question? So how I like to deal with that is I'd like to look at how does the universe fundamentally work? And on some level, it's a bit of a mystery, but I believe that the universe is a realm of, of energy. It's a realm of you know, formless energy and that we have the power to take this realm of energy and create whatever we want. And the creation point, I believe, is what's going on in our heart. Now, you bring up an interesting thing that I think needs to be addressed is the idea of justice and the idea of fault and the idea of shame and the idea of blame. Well, actually, that's four things. But really, I believe that the universe isn't out here to judge us or blame us or shame us or anything like that, 
but rather it just reflects back to us what's within us. So in that case, I don't believe in blaming the victim or, you know, maybe saying, well, I attracted that because I wore a short skirt or, or that kind of thing. But I believe it goes to a deeper level of what's the core essence of what's going on within us. I don't know if that made so, sense, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, it sounds to me and the universe operates according to certain laws. And let's instead of using law of attraction, let's talk about gravity for a second. My little three-year-old grandson is just getting the handle on gravity because I've been playing with it, with playing with the idea with him, you know, holding up a stuffed animal, letting it go and it falls and say, oh, it's gravity. It's pulling it you know, down toward a large mass and trying to give him the idea. And then he knocks something over and then he says, I didn't do it. Gravity did it. So, you know, on the one hand, that's sort of cute. On the other hand, if the universe is so structured that things happen because they have to happen, given the inputs and the conditions, then there is no victim. Is that fair? There's, I mean, it's just the fact that you were angry and that attracted something doesn't make you the victim. It's just a fact. The universe is going to do X if you're exhibiting Y. So there's no blame, there's no shame, and there's no victim. There's just the reality of X causes Y. Is that fair? It takes the emotion out of it. Mm-hmm. I believe that. I believe that the energy you project attracts your experience so that, yes, it's X causes Y as a mathematical formula on some level. And uh, like gravity, it's I haven't figured out a way to uh, go around the law of gravity, and I haven't figured out a way to go around the law of attraction, but I love taking the victim out of it because then we're empowered. Right. And, and so I'm agreeing with that. It seems to me that there is no victim. And I, and I imagine you'd have to do the same with the perpetrator, that while well, you'd want to arrest the guy, put him away, uh, make sure he doesn't harm anyone else, he's driven by the conditions that uh, you created in the universe. He's simply the vehicle by which the universe responded to the conditions you set up. Not excusing him, not forgiving him, but if there's no victim on that deep philosophical sense, there's no perpetrator either. It's just everyone sort of caught in a karmic web. Is that fair? That's a good way to sum it up. You know, my perpetrator, shall we say, uh, I believe he was acting on his own energy and what was going on within him. And it was so odd because while he was in the midst of the, the sexual assault and breaking into my house. Discover a new relationship and approach to life through the space between. Join spiritual teacher Brittany Mondito for a moment of silence, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York. Everything we're searching for lies behind what we're running from, Brittany says. Reconnect with your inner sense of safety, grounding, and centeredness. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. I felt a strange level of compassion for this person while well, I was also terrified because I thought he's suffering so badly that he feels that he needs to break into my house to steal something just so he can eat. Most likely I, I, I believe he was homeless. So it's kind of a strange thing to feel compassion and terrified at the same time, but he was acting in accordance with the energetic flow that he was feeling and our paths crossed because we were in vibrational alignment. Yeah, right. Okay, so I understand that. I, I, the fact that he's robbing because he's hungry, if that's the case, 
or he needed to sell something for money for drugs, if that's the case. Both are, you know, that's one thing. But a sexual assault, that doesn't feed your hunger and it doesn't get you drugs. That's, that's got to be some other issue that the guy is, is dealing with. I think sexual assault, and, and I'm certainly not the expert, but I think it's a need to fill in control, perhaps. Mm. It's having to exert some control over, and in his case, he really felt most likely like a victim of life probably couldn't eat and needed some way to feel empowered in his, his own way. That's just my theory. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to move on from this because the book really, it opens with that. And we've been talking about that, but the book goes way beyond this. I mean, the subtitle of the book is how to stop struggling with money and live your purpose. So let's just jump right into the notion of purpose. How does one find one's purpose? That's such a great question. And I believe our purpose is intertwined with what we love. So if you're struggling to find your purpose, checking in with yourself to get a better understanding of what do you really love? Like what in your life are you gravitating towards? And I believe that everyone feels something that they love, something that just says, yes, I'm on fire when I go do this. And, and everyone has a different thing that they love. I hope that's true. I think that sometimes for people, it's so buried, you know, under obligation, under fear. But I, I hope you're right that everyone can, through one method or another, find what sparks their passion. Is there a method that you recommend for that? One of my methods that I recommend is really simple. It's uh, doing something that you love every day, no matter how trivial or how small. So many of us, I think, feel burdened by money or other obligations in life that there's no time to even connect with love. And so whatever it is, taking some time every day just to maybe get out in nature or, or pet a kitten or whatever it is, connecting with your love. And when your heart's open, that's when the divine or that all that is or God or whatever you call it sends you messages. It speaks to you through your heart. So when you have an open heart, that's when you hear the divine. Yeah. Are you familiar with Marie Kondo? Yeah. The, the joy yeah. of tidying up. Mm -hmm. You know, she has this, and I'm way oversimplifying it, but you, you hold an object and you say, does this spark joy? And if it does, you keep it. If it doesn't, you, you know, give it away. So I, I was really taken by that idea and I did the experiment. I found lots of things that brought me joy. And then I found even more things that didn't, though my wife was quick to inform me that most of the stuff that didn't bring me joy belonged to her. So that was, I couldn't really get rid of that stuff. I just moved it to another part of the house. But uh, no, I'm kidding. But anyway, I'm wondering what you think of this idea that you go through the things that you feel you have to do. You know, what are the things you have to do? You have to do X. You were you're sort of raised in a way that you have to work for this kind of company and not that comp kind of company. You have to make a lot of money rather than do a lot of good if those aren't necessarily opposites, but you know, that it might be a dichotomy someone has. What if you took all the obligations that you are carrying around and you asked of each one, does this spark joy? And the ones that do could ultimately maybe be woven into a deep sense of life purpose. What's your, I mean, I'm just making this up while we're talking, but I just want to get your take on that. I think you're brilliant. Oh, well, yeah. I agree with that. I think you're brilliant. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Um, 
if you uh, spend more time doing my theory, as you said, if you spend more time doing things that spark joy, eventually it'll it'll guide you towards your your purpose. I, I do believe that. So that's very well said. So if that's true, that seems to explain something that you write about, which I was very taken with. Uh, you, you, you were talking about turning your, your finances around and you're doing so without feelings of deprivation or sacrificing your well-being. If, if what we're talking about with this joy idea and finding your purpose, you, you said you're not embarking on some, and I'm quoting you, irritating, misguided, and unsustainable financial diet. And it's not that because you're actually doing what you love. So it doesn't feel like you're giving up anything. You're just not doing things that don't bring you joy. And eventually you'll find a life path that will help you financially. Is that my mm -hmm. putting that okay? I think you did great because you can apply that. And this is what I did. Apply, does this expense spark joy? And that's what I ended up doing with my bank statement, for example, looking at every line and saying, all right, I'm spending all this money. And uh, wow, that totally did not spark joy. That didn't spark joy. This did spark joy. And what I noticed is that when I applied it to my spending, maybe 20% of my expenses actually sparked joy and the rest were either neutral or almost a detriment. So I believe you can apply that to your, your credit card statement. Yeah, well. like, it's sort of like the Pareto principle, 20%, uh, you know, tw the 80-20 rule that uh, in this case, 80% of your happiness comes from 20% of your the things that you're doing and everything else is just causing you a headache. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're going to come up against the end of our, of our conversation, but I'm just, I would be remiss if we didn't at least bring up the notion of privilege. I sometimes get the sense from the law of attraction that if you're poor, it's because you think poor, but there is a system of racism, of sexism, xenophobia, all those things. How much of what you're sharing with us reflects privilege? Mm. That's a really good question. I personally don't believe in, and maybe I'm not answering this correctly, that the law of attraction is completely immune to privilege. Mm. That no matter what you, what your situation is, the, the law of attraction still applies and, and you have the power, no matter how bad it seems, to change and turn your life into what you, you really want. Even if you feel like we judge people, you know, our society judges people who are black or, or, or whatever, that doesn't have to get in your way. And I'll use this as an example. I used to think my problem with my money was taxes. I felt the IRS took a huge chunk of money every year out of my account. And I had to come to terms with the fact that if I sit here and blame the government for my problems, nothing's ever going to change. So I believe that we can't really use anything as an excuse to stay stuck. So just to restate it, so, so I think people hear it and correct me if I'm restating it improperly, but privilege exists, but the law of attraction is a way to overcome any obstacle, regardless of problems in the, in the culture of the society. Is that fair? That's, that's very well put. Thank you. All right, then we are going to have to leave it there, unfortunately, because I really would love to talk to you more about this. Essential Conversations with Rabbi Rami is the bi-weekly podcast of Spirituality and Health magazine. If you like Essential Conversations, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts 
and subscribe to the show on your preferred podcast app. You can also follow me on Spirituality and Health's website, where I now write a bi-weekly column called Roadside Musings. And don't forget to subscribe to the print magazine as well. So Jennifer Noel Taylor, thank you so much for taking time to be with us on Essential Conversations. Great. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. This was great. If anyone's interested in learning more about uh, Jennifer's work, her book, the new one is called Spiritual and Broke, How to Stop Struggling with Money and Live Your Purpose. And you can check her out on the internet, uh, jennifernoeltaylor.com. Essential Conversations is produced by Ezra Baker and our executive producer is Ben Nussbaum. I'm Rabbi Rami. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Jane Asher, and I believe, and from what I've been shown, that when our loved ones die, they don't really leave. They just slip into the next room. On my podcast, I explore the bigger picture surrounding life on Earth and what follows when we do die. I speak with authors, friends, transition specialists, and other experts about every facet of death, dying, grief, hospice care, cultural traditions, and also our beliefs about that final journey and what we may end up facing. Please join me on the next room on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.